0: Hey everybody, it's good to be with you today. Thanks for joining us at Journey. My name is Jared. We are continuing a series called Helping the Next Gen Win. I've uh, been going for the last couple weeks and today we're going to continue on with something I think is uh, super important for all of us to think about. What's been great about this series is it connects all of us that I'm not just talking to parents and grandparents but anybody who is old enough to have somebody younger than you can listen to this series and take something and apply it this week. So I'm hoping that you guys will think about the people that you are guiding and directing and, and, and helping along. Uh, the next gen is th- are those people younger than you. So if you haven't caught up with this series, let me just say you can go to this simple website here, nextgenwinseries.com. You can catch anything online that you've missed and you can also pass it on to some people. Thank you guys who are online, listening or watching right now. Thank you so much for that. And uh, let's just jump into kind of catching back up where we've been so we can start off today because I'm, I, I, again, I'm passionate about this topic because I've been investing in, in, in teenagers and, and college students and people younger than me my, my entire life. It makes it sound like I'm really, really old, but for a long, long time. Uh, but it was just modeled to me and that's what I did as I grew up. And so I'm excited because there's nobody in the room that disagrees that we want the next generation to win. Like, if you're a Christian, Jew, Muslim, white, black, tall, short, male, female, it doesn't matter. Nobody here is like, man, I just hope the next generation fails big time. I would love to watch the next generation just not get it right. Wouldn't that be fun? Nobody wants to see that. Everybody is on the same page here. Everybody wants to see those younger than us win. They want us to, to, to do better than we've done. And so we talked about that really, to, in order for, to help them win, the big, the big idea is this. To help them win, we want to make sure that their standard for living is much more important than their standard of living. In other words, we want to help prepare them by helping them develop, develop the character and, the, and the, the inner strength and the wisdom that's going to help guide them through challenges and decisions they're going to have to make that we can't see something coming, that they can't see coming, that those things that just are, are completely out of our realm of experience, that, that they are able to deal with those. And that oftentimes we focus so much time of our, of our energy and money on standard of living stuff. And we don't focus on the standard for living stuff. Giving them a way to process and go through decision making. So we've been talking about how to make that work. And today, I'm really excited because the real tension is that we're all feeling as we talk about this. is, Am I sending clear messages to the next generation? Because I had somebody ask me a couple weeks ago when we started this series, what, what about when they don't want to listen? Well, <laughs> I think that's a great question. We're actually going to talk about that in, in the, the very last part of this series. But here's the thing. As we worry about what kind of messages our lives are sending, we know that's a big deal because we know that everything we do is not only being recorded in social media now, but it's being recorded by the next generation. And I don't mean they've got their phones out recording us all the time. I mean that they are watching and they are listening and they're taking everything in so that everything we do is modeled to them, whether we want it to be or not. That everything we act on, that the, the energy we put into something, that the, the money we put somewhere, they're watching every single bit of it. And they're recording it in their mind. And they are they are taking all of that in. And sometimes, aren't we terrible about this? Especially those of us who are Christians, I feel like sometimes we just get this so wrong that we we oftentimes miss it because we send mixed messages by the way we live and by the way something we say. And our, the next generation oftentimes gets confused because they're not sure where to believe what we say or believe what we do or believe what we do and what we don't say. And they're watching and they're listening and everything gets kind of mixed and they don't understand sometimes why we keep making decisions the way we're making them. And on the outside looking in, they're as confused as can be. And, and all the meanwhile, we're like, man, I hope I'm getting this right. And so this, this tension I want to address today because it's a serious one. It's one that none of us wants to look back and go, man, I sent so many mixed messages to the next generation. They they probably don't even get what I'm all about and what I value. I want to help you navigate that today. I want to help us all to figure out maybe a strategy for how to make sure we send a very clear message of what the standard for living should be, whatever that is for you. And so I know that some of you who are not believers, you're not following Christ, that's fine today. You're going you're gonna to be able to get something out of this. I, I'm going to talk to you specifically, but those of you who are followers, I'm going to have some, some bonus challenges for you along these lines because we're going to be looking at a guy named Paul. And Paul was an interesting fellow, if you don't know much about him. He, he wrote a lot of what we call the New Testament. He wrote letters to the early churches because Paul was a rock star church planner back in his day, uh, in the first century. He was the guy that started a lot of the, the churches there in Greece. Um, and so he, he would go around and start a church, and a few months later he would write to them and make sure that they were still on track, or he'd hear news from you know, somebody about them, and he'd write back and say, hey, here's how to handle that, here's a bit. So we can have his letters that he has written to these other believers. But what's so interesting about Paul is there's this section in a letter to the people of the city Philippi. So we call the letter Philippians because they're Philippians, like Americans. And so the, the letter, that call we Philippians, it's, it's interesting. There's this passage in there that you can tell Paul has struggled with this very same tension we feel in casting the wrong message. Like, am I sending mixed messages to you guys? And, here, and, he, and what he does, and he lays this out so perfectly, he lays it out so well for us to follow. He basically gives us a road map for how to make sure we send a great, clear message to the next generation. And by the way, those of you who are believers, he also, along the way, sends a great message for what the standard of living, the standard for living, excuse me, that should be. So uh, let's, let's jump into this early and quick so that we can get into what I think is probably some of the eye, most eye-opening stuff that you're going you're gonna to listen to this whole series is to how to make sure we send a clear message. So here's, here's Paul's uh, first verse. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 7, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And here's what I want to say about this to start off. Paul does not like sellouts. Sellouts. Like, I think if Paul were here today, he'd be like, man, the Beatles selling their music in digital format. That's just sellouts, right? It's, it sounds better on vinyl. And LeBron James, can you believe he went to Miami, championship-seeking, got one there, and decided to go back to Cleveland? Man, what a sellout, man. He can't even, he can't even decide where he wants to be and where he wants to, to be a legend, right? And so just think about the different things in your life that you look at and you go, man, those are sellouts. Because here's what we know. The next generation knows when we're sellouts. Isn't it quite obvious when they do the rolling of the eyes that they're like, man, you're a sellout, right? You get get that feeling. And you know why the next generation is so good at spotting fakes and sellouts? is because we all are. Don't you remember? It probably happened for you you, and you probably haven't thought about it, but somewhere along the lines, you had maybe a couple parents that would argue about stuff, and you realized behind the scenes that mom actually was spending money that your dad didn't know about. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know how to, what's the message here? I'm not sure, mom's look like she's selling out on this, and I, I don't understand. And, or, or maybe it was your dad who was, who was out, and he would come home and say, I was out late at work, and instead he was actually out and just hanging out with friends, and he was going to movies, and he was doing some stuff just to stay out of the house longer. And you, and you see this, and you find out, and you're like, man, what's going on here? This is a huge mixed message. Is, Dad's, Dad's selling out on me. Or maybe he was a boss. Like he had this, he had this thing about the way people should communicate to one another. And man, he would jump down your throat if you didn't do it the right way. But man, when, when he got mad, he would totally break his own rules. And you were like, man, this dude's a sellout. For, for some reason, we are so good at spotting these mixed messages and then claiming that people are sellouts. And here's what, here's what Paul says. Here's, here's kind of the first piece of how Paul says, you need to make sure you're sending a clear message. He says this, you should sell yourself out. He said, you should sell yourself out. You take yourself out of the equation. Stop trying to get things for you. And instead, sell yourself out to something larger than yourself. That's the first real step to making sure the next generation gets it. And Paul Paul says, listen, here's what I'm sold out to. I'm just going to tell you straight up front. I'm sold out. Everything is a loss to me. Everything is a loss. What I considered gain once is all now a loss except for knowing Christ. And here, I'm just telling you, I'm sold out to that completely. So listen, if you're not a follower of Christ, you can kind of forget that part. But listen, let me ask you a question. Everybody in the room, is there something that you're sold out to? Or are there times when you're just selling out? I mean, are you looking for a way to advance yourself? Or are you looking for a way to advance this larger thing than yourself? Because I think that's for all of us. I think the next generation is watching so closely to see if we're just about ourselves, if we're about something larger than ourselves. And those of you who are believers, listen, let me, let me give you the extra bonus part of this. This is the bottom line for you today. The most important thing Paul says that he sold himself out to is the very thing we must pass on to the next generation as the standard for their living. Here it is. Teaching the next generation to love God outweighs anything else we teach them. It outweighs anything else. Everything else you think is worth teaching to the next generation is not worth it because Paul says everything is a loss except knowing Christ. Everything, I counted all what I thought was gain is now a loss. It just does not compare. That is e end all, be all. I'm selling myself out to it. And listen, this is huge. The first step. To selling ourselves out is to committing to that one thing that guides everything else in our life. So let's, let's see how else Paul fits this all together. That's step one, selling yourself out. Okay? Here's step two. Look at this next set of verses. I considered them, all those things I thought were, for, were great in my life, all the things that I, that I tried to earn, I, I considered them garbage. That I may gain and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. That came from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Keep going. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, here's the second step Paul says that we've got to do. We sell ourselves out, but we also do this. We explain the why. See, Paul just doesn't leave it as, I'm sold out to Christ. He actually explains why he's sold out to Christ. And here's what he says. He basically says this. Everything that I could be doing that would gain me something actually won't gain me what I want and need the most. What I need and want the most is righteousness with my heavenly father, with righteousness in front of God's eyes because I keep messing things up and I have lost my righteousness. And no matter how much I serve the people around me and love them and try to take care of them, no matter how much I give to the church or nonprofits or or people who need it, no matter how much I focus on on just doing a great job and being ethical and doing everything I can right, he says all that is garbage because none of that can earn me what knowing Christ earns me. He says, the reason why I'm sold out to this is because Jesus is the only way I know to gain righteousness with God. That righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus. So that's why I'm sold out. Let me ask you guys, have you ever thought about explaining why to the next generation about why you're sold out to something, why something is so important to you? You know, you know I, I think the reason why we don't often step up and explain why is because we think that being a role model is just about doing. See, we think being a, because you watch maybe your grandparents or your parents and you pick things up from them kind of automatically. and You do things and you watch them do things and you do it the way they do it because that's the way they do it. And you plant your garden a certain way because that's the way grandpa and, and, and mom did it. And, that, and, and so you just kind of get these things. You think being a role model is just being. And here's what I think is wrong with that. That's all fine and good. Until one generation down the road, somebody looks at it and goes, why did people do this way? I don't even know why. I'm just doing it because somebody else told me to do it. There's no really why. And everybody has forgotten why. This is the best way to know to explain it. Uh, A few years ago, and by a a few I mean like a dozen, okay? A dozen years ago, I was helping out down in Tennessee with a a group of of church people who were helping build a building for a church, Okay. And, and because I had zero experience um, with uh, putting anything on a roof, shingles or otherwise, they said, great, come along, we need free labor. And so they asked me to come along and be a part of this crew who was putting shingles on this roof. Now, I had never done shingles, okay? I've got a hammer, and I've got, you know, I can sweat, and I can carry stuff, and, and so I'm doing the best I can, and I'm watching all these guys who've done this for, and I'm trying to figure things out, and, and I'm holding a nail the way you hold a nail, you know, like this. and I'm doing this, and, I, and listen, I'm not great with a hammer anyway but let's just say that my, by, the, by the halfway through the day, this knuckle was hurting, okay? Like, like I can hit a nail and it just glance off and man, that, that knuckle was hurting really bad. About lunchtime, I'm just taking a break, drinking some water and I'm watching this older guy and instead of holding the nail like this, he's holding the nail between two fingers with his palm up and I'm like, genius, This guy's genius. That's the way you're supposed to hold a nail. You'd hold a nail like this, and he's just tapping it in. And there's no knuckle in the way. Because a a, a nail, I don't know if you know, a roofing nail is really short. And your knuckle can stick up above it. And that's why I was hitting my, I was like, man, this is so genius. So the rest of the day, ding, ding, bingo, got this figured out, right? A couple weeks later, I'm holding a framing nail. And I'm putting together a couple two-by-fours. And I'm like, dude, I should remember my... (laughs) Put it between the two fingers, palms up. And man, I slapped that framing nail. And some of you guys who are construction people and you're looking at me like I'm an idiot, I understand that, okay? But my fingers were blistered because, man, I tried to drive a big nail, long nail with that, and man, it just, the nail went flying and my hand was the only thing left there. Now, here's the thing. It would have been really helpful if he had explained why he was doing that. Right? Dude, here's, here's why I'm doing this. Because it's a short nail and, and this is a soft surface. The tar is actually really soft to get into. So you don't need a lot of bracing for that. But if you're doing a framing nail, you need to hold it firmly. Like, that would have been a great lesson. But no, you know, he was, he was just being a role model. Well, thank you very much. It hurt me. So here's the, here's the thing. You explain why, people, because it could save somebody's fingers. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to be explaining things. Guys, this is the, this is the thing that we often miss that's so, so simple. When you do something a certain way and you make a decision a certain way and you come to the end of it and you've thought through it and here's why, you need to explain that to the next generation. Hey, just for you, let me explain why. And it may not be the best way, but let me explain my thinking and why I came out to this conclusion. I think Paul says the same thing. Let's explain why because we don't want anybody to forget what the real purpose behind why we're selling ourselves out to this is. Why are we doing that? So here's the here's third step. Let's keep moving. Here's another step. Paul continues on. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of the resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself, what? Yet to have taken hold of it. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is one of the most moving and powerful passages of any that Paul writes. Because he basically says, look... I'm trying to figure out how to follow Jesus and I want to follow him so closely that I want to suffer like he suffered and somehow live up to the resurrection he's given me. I want to somehow give my life up to something. I'm sold out to this because he gave me something I couldn't. And so in response, I'm going to do this. And then he ends this with this thing that we never think of doing, guys. We never think of it because we are trying to keep our influence. We're trying to make sure we gain influence in the next generation. And so we never do this last, this third thing. We never do this. We never admit our faults. And this is what's so encouraging about this passage to me is Paul's like, listen, Sometimes I don't, I haven't already obtained it. I haven't gotten there yet. I don't consider myself already there. I haven't yet gotten it figured out, but I'm on the path. And I I keep going because I'm not there yet. And, And it's okay if you don't get it all yet either. Just follow me. I think too many times we are afraid to admit our faults to the next generation. But listen, when you don't admit your faults, you know what you look like? Irrelevant. You look irrelevant to the next generation because they're watching mixed messages and they see you do one thing and say another or they see you do two completely different things and you're not explaining anything and you're not admitting your faults and they are confused as all get out. And as soon an, sooner than you think, they go, man, this guy, he's just irrelevant. He doesn't even get what the tension is here. He didn't even see what he's doing. And oftentimes we do see our own faults but we don't admit it. I know this is hard. I, I, I know this is hard. I know how difficult it is to look at your kids as a parent and be like, you know what? The way I disciplined you yesterday actually was just because I was mad. You really didn't do anything wrong. You know, as a manager yesterday what I, what I did in that moment in calling you out in front of the employees, I should have had a private conversation with you. I'm so sorry. I think I, I, think I really missed the boat. Listen, Paul says admitting our faults, I think, actually puts us on common ground so that we are more believable even when we don't get it right. And so if there's anything I could say today for you guys is just to think about the times when you don't get it right. And how many times are you admitting that to the people who are watching you and explaining, "Ah, God, I I just messed that up. How many times are we doing that in order to gain influence and keep from being called irrelevant by the next generation? This is tough, isn't it? There's one more step. There's one more step that Paul says is going to to kind of pull this whole thing together and make sure that we're all sending a clear message to the next generation. Here's what he says. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind... And straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then a few verses later he says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He says number four is press on. I think sometimes our guilt for not being able to do it perfectly drives us away from continuing to invest. I can't invest in the next generation because I've made so many mistakes and there's so many things I've done wrong. My guilt is going to drive me. I just cannot. I'm just not a role model. I just can't invest in the next generation. I'm just too off. Our guilt drives us away from that. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You know what you're teaching them? You're teaching them to quit by doing that. You must press on. You sell yourself out to something. You explain it. You admit your faults and you keep pressing on to show them that even though you fail sometimes, they must also continue modeling that for the people coming after them. And here we are. We are so many times caught up in our own little bubble and we forget that everything we're doing is being watched and we're the model, regardless of whether we want to be or not. So listen, here's the first challenge I want for you. If you're, not, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's okay. This challenge is for everybody. Okay, this is an all-play. This is an all-skate. You ready? This is going to be huge, and you're going to hate me for it. But I hope that you'll try it out, and I hope that you'll find the power and influence it gives you to the next generation. Here's the first challenge. Admit your faults to someone in the next generation. I'm not saying go and like, tell all your shortcomings to everybody this week. I'm not saying sit down and watch me guys let me tell you guys what everything I've done wrong. I'm just saying, when you mess it up this week, because you will, why don't you go ahead and practice admitting that to somebody who's watching? Now and listen, in, in the business world, you know what they call this? They call this a 360 degree evaluation. Now, I've done this, and it's not easy because I don't like getting feedback from people who have to work with me and around me because sometimes I have a blind spot and they point out things that I don't see. And and then I have to come back behind and admit that, yes, that's a fault of mine. You're right. I do get angry when you give me feedback that I don't like. And yes, I don't communicate really well sometimes and I'm not really clear. This is hard. This is really difficult. Let me give you a question you can ask the people around you. Maybe as maybe you sit one-on-one or one-on-two with some people you're trying to invest in. Just ask them this question. Hey, what is it like living on the other side of me? Like I know what I look like from my point of view, but what is it like living on the other side of me? That's a hard question, right? Because you're, you're ready now to hear the honest truth. Well, I don't understand why you do this and you do this and it just seems like there's a mixed message. You're going to have to... Listen, this is going to define for you where your mixed messages are happening. But listen, it's so important that you figure this out because it will allow you to course correct. It'll allow you to to have an opportunity to explain why. You know what? I did make a mistake there, but I am sold out to this. And I don't want you to forget that this really is the most important thing. Even though sometimes I'm going to miss it, I'm going to try and admit my faults in those areas. But listen, this is it. And this is why it's it. Let me explain that. It's going to open up conversation for the next generation to understand why you're sold out to what you're sold out to. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus and you call yourself a Christian... You have a bonus challenge. Beside as hard as that is, you have something else to consider. Because in this whole passage that Paul talks about, you can't help but look at Paul and go, Wow, there's something you're sold out to something way more important than what sometimes I feel like I'm sold out to. Look at this next challenge. What am I prioritizing over my relationship with Jesus? What, what is it that has taken first place in front of knowing Christ? Because Jesus even said the first commandment was to love God first, love your neighbor second. And, and, and another friend of Jesus, John, he wrote, he wrote a biography of Jesus' life. It's called John in the Bible, and you can look up John. And he says that, that even eternal life itself is knowing Jesus. And here's Paul saying, I sell out everything. Everything I have, everything is, that I do, uh, everything that I count as gain is actually lost except for knowing Jesus. And here, here's what I know. Christians, listen, we have to figure this out. Because I know you're planning for retirement and planning for retirement is good and putting money into your retirement is a good thing. And, and Proverbs talks a lot about being wise with your money. But listen, if that is taking primary over your knowing Jesus and connecting with Him, then you're missing it. And you're not setting the right model for the people who are coming behind you. And and if your Netflix entertainment and your Netflix binge watching or whatever it is that you do on the weekends, if all that that takes up more time than you spend knowing Christ, then you may have something that you need to course correct on because you're not sending the message that you want to send to the next generation. Perhaps, Perhaps even your physical health. Well, I think it's great. Guys, I, work, I try to work out five times a week. I, I don't know of any other way to make sure that I'm around a long, long time so that I can see my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I'm going to stay as healthy as I can. But listen, if any point my physical health takes precedence over my relationship and knowing Jesus Christ, then I've got things out of whack. And the next generation, they know when it's out of whack. They know it. They spot sellouts like it's their full-time job. Here's what we have to do. I know this is difficult. But you have to be ready, Christians, to explain any energy, money, and time you put into anything. You have to be ready to explain how that fits into your calling to knowing Christ as your primary goal. And if you can't explain how what you're spending your money and your time and your energy on and how that is secondary to knowing Christ then the next generation is getting a mixed message. They don't know what the most important thing to you is. And all of of you right now are scared to death. (laughs) Listen, I know how hard this is. I don't get it perfect. But I go back to what Paul said. Am I sold out? Am I sold out completely? Am I looking for personal gain or am I sold out to this completely? And am I explaining it? Why I'm sold out? Am I explaining it clearly? And am I admitting the times when I don't get it right, when I'm sold out to this, but yet it looks like I'm sold out to this? Am I admitting that so they can see I've messed it up? And am I pressing on? Am I continuing to apply myself to the primary goal of my life? That's what I go back to. And I think that's what Paul's teaching us, is do not forget this. So listen, when you serve, you don't just serve people who need to be served because... It's a good thing to serve people who don't have or or people who need. But you serve so that you can know the sufferings that Jesus went through to give himself up for others. And every time you serve, you serve so you can know the sufferings of Jesus and be closer to him. Not just to serve the needs of others, but to serve and to know him better. And every time you attend church, it's not because you go to church, because you know it's a good place to go and it says to don't give up gathering together in Hebrews and, and all these things that people talk about coming together to church and we can do things together better than alone. Yes, 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 and yes. But guess what? The real reason is that we gather together so that we can, one, understand who God is. And we gather together. He comes here and He is here. And so when He's here, we try to connect with Him. And then we don't just give our money to great causes. I think Fort Callaway is awesome, and I love what we do at Christmas Offering, but just giving to that money and making sure it gets to the community is not the real goal. That's secondary to us making sure that everybody knows that why we do that is because God is for them. And when I do that and I give up something in myself and give it to others, I'm actually giving to know the suffering that Jesus went through and to know what he gave up for me. Guys, this is what we must do. We must be able to explain all of our energies and actions as Christians to the next generation to help them understand why we're sold out to this. Because they won't know. They'll watch and they'll end up going to church And one day they'll go, why am I going to church? I don't even know why I'm going. This this doesn't seem relevant anymore. Because we didn't tell them why. And so the next generation depends on us. The next generation needs us. It needs us to be sold out. It needs us to explain why. They, They need us to admit our faults and they need us to keep pressing on to prove to them that even when we fail it's worth moving on because we're still focused on the goal. And some of you in the room are going, man, I feel worse than I came in. I hope not. Because this challenge, this challenge is doable. This challenge is something that you have within you to do. Because every one of us is loved by the same Savior that I'm loved by, that you're loved by, that they're loved by. And Jesus gave up all for us. And so when he says... I've given up all for you. Hey, guys, just just remember, He's with you through this whole step. He's with you every single mess up along the way. And that mess up, even though it looks like it could totally destroy what the next generation thinks about you, it can be an influential thing to help open a conversation, to admit those faults and move on. So here's what I ask you to do. I would ask you this week, If you're not a Christian, at least do this. Admit your faults to someone in the next generation. If you're a follower of Jesus, do that plus. Start trying to figure out how you realign your life behind the one thing that you should be sold out to, and that is knowing Jesus Christ above all else. And that, selling yourselves out, explain why, men are faults, pressing on, is the way to send a clear message. The clear message will make sure the next generation gets what we want them to get. And whether they do it or not, On their plates, but at least we know we've sent a clear message. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that you gave us this huge challenge, but also that you are with us. And God, I pray that you would give us the strength this week to admit our faults, that when we mess up and we're not doing what we say we should be doing or or the standard that we set for ourselves and others, God, that we would admit that and we would gain influence with the next generation. God, I pray this week, those who are believers here would just be sold out to you completely and they would soul search and figure out those things they need to remove from the primary spot to move it over to secondary so that knowing you and your son Jesus becomes primary. And God, I pray most of all that the next generation would see the clear message we're trying to send. That God, with your help, that they would understand what the primary message is we're sending. That they would not be confused by our mistakes and by our mess-ups but instead they would focus on you. In your sins I pray, amen.